Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. The Killer Women Vodcast is pleased to be a part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. To learn more about Danielle and her books, visit her at www.daniellegirard.com and to access all of our vodcasts, go to youtube.com forward slash authors on the air. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Hello, and welcome to the Killer Women podcast. A proud member of the Authors on the Air global network with over 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Hillary Fitzgerald Campbell. Hillary is first and foremost a law and order enthusiast, and only second, a comedian and New York New Yorker cartoonist. Murder Book is her graphic her debut graphic memoir. Stay tuned for her upcoming book, The Joy of Snacking, hitting the shelves in 2024. Welcome, Hillary. It's gonna be a while before that book comes out. <laughs> well, to go from murder to snacking, I, I have some questions you know about what? that. I know I'm hitting all my bases, really. <laughs> exactly. I, I I mean, it's so true. Okay, so tell our listeners about the murder book, which is murder hilarious. book. I know. Where does one begin? So, um, really, what I wanted to do was make a book that was about the true crime fandom, and that's the wrong word, probably, but it kind of is. Mm. Like it is, a, you know, the community that consumes it rather than murder itself. Um, not to say, I mean, I do go through three different crimes specifically in the book, but I really wanted to break down why specifically women, but also, you know, humanity is so attracted to crime and what is it like intrinsically in our bodies that makes us not be able to turn away. Um, and so the book of course, it follows like me on a personal level, asking myself those questions and hoping that they can answer the question for you as well uh, as a reader and listener. Um, and so I go through a lot of, um, you know, basically my relationship with my mother, which is where everything starts, you know. Totally. totally. Um, I have questions about how your mother feels about this, but we'll get to that. Oh, she loves it. No. Um, so you do, you break the book into sort of um, a series of sections about sort of where this this obsession um, mm -hmm. comes from. Mm -hmm. And, and then, so I wanted it to be, you know, part personal, part historical, like reading of like the history of the true crime genre um, as well, you know, and then, and then with the, and then of course, then the actual murders I go through. But um, so sort of like asking yourself, how does one, what's the evolution of, of becoming obsessed with true crime? And, um, and all the different psychological things um, that can draw you to it. And, and it's, but it's mostly funny, obviously. I'm a, I'm a funny lady. <laughs> I, uh, I was, you are you know, a funny lady. Yeah, I'm a funny lady. And, and the, the, the reality is, is, so when I, you know, I've been at the New Yorker for years and I've done lot, some long form stuff, but I, I got, when I got met my agent, um, Michelle, she was like, okay, I was like, oh, I want to do my first big book. You know, what am, what am I going to do? And she's like, okay, you know, send me five ideas. And one of my ideas was just like a line that just said, well, me and my mom are always talking about murder. And then she was like, I think you should follow that. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and 
and honestly I really was trying to find a way to just write about my mother because I'm obsessed with her um that's so, so it was cute. like the book is really an avenue into getting into the relationship of me and my mom um and you have older yeah. siblings but there's a gap yes. there's a, yeah yeah I'm um I'm a late baby as they say so they're all well now they're in their 40s um I'm so there's like my oldest sister's 10 years older than me and then this kind of goes down from there and then there's a big gap before me so I also have like the very much like almost growing up with like 10 sets of parents you know like there's just totally and I was introduced to a lot of dark things (laughs) right because the old right (laughs) and I think that as you know because we met because you you know my brother which was so mm-hmm. bizarre um mm-hmm. and he's also the straggler baby right I mean he's yeah. the he's actually I mean Tom is four years older but we are I'm 17 years older than Steve and it felt like right. your relationship with your siblings probably feels a lot like my relationship with Steve right we were yeah. always parenting him as well as although not mm-hmm. doing a very good job like my husband took him <laughs> to see Pulp Fiction when he was like seven and for explains sure. a lot right yeah um, I know well that's what I put in the book of that I um I must have been like six when I was demanding someone take me to go see the first wives club like I was like this I think is the film for me (laughs) yes yes the opening scene stalker Channing kills herself because her marriage is going wrong and I was like I'm in for it what a great film like (laughs) I know not a feminist statement but yeah you know I get it no but the rest of the movie is um but yeah I mean I I I think you know having yeah like especially an older brother like I was watching Cruel Intentions you know and like Friday and next Friday and like I I watch Smoke Signals all the time which is like a weird old 90s like just a lot of um I saw some crazy shit as a little girl yeah um, yeah I think it it all started percolating in my head that I Um, but as, so how do you how do you like I mean it is funny so, because you're a comedian as well right and yeah. and a cartoonist and really the the those things sort of ask for for often for sort of a lightness so you're somehow taking mm-hmm. this really dark stuff and twisting mm-hmm. it into humor which that's what I like though I think that like um humor allows you to talk about something that's uncomfortable and I think that's you know often the point of humor is to poke fun at our everyday realities and stuff and whether they're super dark or just a little dark you know (laughs) um and sort of you know humor makes fun of it in order to question it in order to get you to think about it um and I think specifically with cartoons I think that's why in the book I'm able kind of to like walk the very fine line of laughing at murder, you know, like because you can talk about something serious, but then since it's a silly drawing, it makes it a sort of acceptable that I'm like being pretty gruesome, you know. Right. Um, But I think that the the humor is kind of what you know makes it accessible. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's it's so personal. This is the other thing I find so interesting is that you know, it is real. There's a lot of, uh, yourself in this book. Sure. And I mean, it is a mem- mem- memoir, memoir, you know, <laughs> yes, it's a memoir. Um, yeah. and I, th- I thought that was, so it's, again, you can, you really comfortable at making fun of yourself, right? That's sort of part mm-hmm. of it. Like the mm-hmm. obsession, the young obsession, your mm-hmm. own sort of, you know, 
relationships and all of, you know, and the idea that you're like, you, you are a self-proclaimed anxious person. And is it an yeah. anxious person who thinks about murder? And then I was like, maybe that's why I'm also attracted to murder. Yeah. It's an anxiety that makes us sort of like go to it the darkest is. place. Yeah. I think that absolutely um, anxiety and anxiety related things um, are a huge part of being drawn into because it is, it's like, well, what's the worst that could happen all the time, you know? Right. And so the worst that could happen is that somebody kills you. Right. <laughs> you know, so like, you're like, that's, you get, that's, that's for sure the worst. Like, you die a gruesome, horrible death. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then I think, um, and, you know, go on in the book about, and I, you know, I read a lot of whatever studies by psychologists who wrote about this in order for to help me write the book um, about how when you watch true crime especially for women of course because um even though statistically more men are killed every year but what we see on tv and read and listen to and everything is women dying at the hands of men um so when you see that it's like your brain is just sort of studying all the red flags to for your life like okay, right. well, i'll never date that kind of guy or if and i I'll, see that right. he's doing this and obviously if he takes an insurance policy out on me big red flag <laughs> you know right um, right but you're gad like anxiety is sort of like sort of gathering all the tips and tricks to hold in your back pocket in order to keep yourself from being murdered right which is it I mean, which is what I, I know right I mean I don't know I mean I know that I do it just even walking down the street in New York I'm always just like well if <laughs> if yeah. right now someone I did it yesterday because sometimes I, you know you try to get away from your phone so I'll be like I'll take a walk without my phone you know but yeah. then I go okay but now I don't have my phone right <laughs> so I go, right so if somebody so if I was attacked me, right now right. Like, <laughs> what would I do right I'm like going through all of it just as I'm going to the dog park you know and I'm like this right. is why am I thinking about this like <laughs> well that's and I do it at night particularly at night yeah. like when I'm if I'm sleeping alone you know my mm -hmm. husband's traveling I'm like okay yeah. so what's the shortest distance could I get out the window where would yeah. I run would I, I break know. my ankle when I drop from the second floor you know yeah. and if I broke yeah. my ankle could I still run could I still get there could I go yeah. full like Ted Bundy into the mountains like with a you know <laughs> I know so these things you know I think um certainly there I would assume there is a higher anxiety of it because of the saturation of true crime um on all our streaming platforms um but that being said, like, you know, whatever crimes existed since the dawn of time. So, um, yeah, but, but I, yeah, it's something, you know, I, I was just, um, you think about it and you worry about it and it's, um, and, and, then it, it, and it. it's, it's a, yeah. And then you write about it and then, and of course it can be a vicious cycle. Like you're like, if you, if I watch more true crime, then I'm more anxious that something's going to happen to me, but then I want to watch more, you know, and it yeah. can kind of go on forever. I yeah. definitely have times throughout the year where I step away from how yeah. much like, like I'm like okay I need to like go read a silly book or like I need yes. to read something so different or yeah I'll get really into podcasts and then I'm like I'm super obsessed with this one right now called Murder and Alliance 
and I'm like binging it so much. And I was like, I know after this, I'm going to be like, I need something so different. Um, right. I think I yeah. feel that just from reading a lot of dark fiction too. And, yeah. and if you're living in it, like, you know, when you were writing this book, I imagine it's even more on your mind, right? It's yeah. a really, it's to, to dig into this darkness is, and mm -hmm. is when you write these kinds of books, right? You live with mm -hmm. it day in, day I out. Because the, the book, and that's a different experience, right? It's so different. I was like, I remember having a moment where I went to my boyfriend. I was like, I never want to have to draw Ted Bundy's face again. Like, right. I'm so sick of this. What am I, what, why did I choose to do this? You know, and I still probably had like 20. I was like, I have 20 more pages of his freaking face. Yeah, there's a lot again. of Bundy. I know. Yeah. You really, that's one of the crimes you go into, which is. Yeah. Um, but I, I love, definitely. Yeah. You know, say you definitely. Oh, I don't know what I don't know what I was gonna say. Um, but yeah, I I think I mean well, I actually listened to a lot of Taylor Swift while I was writing in order to like I was like to like right. have like I'm in this headspace, but I'm gonna have something completely else that I'm different that I'm listening to. That's to right. That's a fairly different tone. Well, balance balance me out. I I tagged I, as I have known you. Yes. I tagged yeah. all these um, places that made me laugh. But one of them, I, the other thing that I think is so interesting is like you talk about the way that in, we treat women victims, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there'll be like in the in the Bundy cases, um, or what? Who was the couples? No, it wasn't Bundy. It was um, oh, Zodiac. Yeah, Zodiac. the Zodiac, and it would be like you know this guy is like he was the you know football player and the this and the that and this pretty yeah. girlfriend. Right. It was I know. never nothing of substance yeah. about her. Right. I know. I in, in my research to try to find more information on the women, you found so I was like, we know that this guy's an Eagle Scout and we know everything about him. And then we can't figure out like it's like she had a nice fur coat on that night. I'm like, but who was she? Like right. what? Like, why do we not know? Um I think the most of people you knew about was Cecilia. She had a little more information, but, but no, I know. And I mean, obviously times have changed, but when you look back at older, older victims, um, back in the day and they, they, uh, oh man, the way women are described, um, that's why I like Anne Rule's writing so much. It's like, she goes so deep into like the lives of all, all the different, female victims that she writes about and you like really understand who they are um and what a loss um yeah is yeah. coming from that but um right because we should celebrate I mean we have to celebrate these people who were mm -hmm. their lives right I mean yeah and it's interesting too it's like the way that I, and it still happens today the way that women are lured into places because we are taught you have to be nice and polite yeah. and you know like um carry you know, you should really carry, um, you know, Ted Bundy's books for him if he's yes. hurt or whatever right. it was, right. right? I know. I think about that of myself on a daily, I can't help but be so nice. Like when I'm like, you know, just strangers or whatever, I'm like, I will find myself in weird, uncomfortable situations still just because I think I need to be polite. Yeah. We're taught to and, be polite, right? Yeah. To not... Yeah, and, and authority, and and oftentimes, yeah. I mean, police are sometimes, you know, authority figures are are sometimes the bad guys. So it's the bad, I know it's hard to know, like it's, it's teaching my, you know, your daughters, or you know, to be like mm -hmm. um, suspect everyone isn't really. I the, know. It's not a, I know great. you're like you don't want to like tell them people are bad, but I think that like the like the thing is is like all to like learn to just trust your gut like as soon as you think something's not right 
especially that's Caroline, right? The, um, I can't remember, it's the victim, the Ted Bundy victim who like knew something was yes. wrong. Yes. But felt like because he said he was a security guard, it's like she just thought, was like, oh, okay, I'll still go. But like she knew, you know? Right. Um, and I think more of like learning to trust your gut instinct on a feeling around somebody. Like Georgia Hardstark tells that great story. I can't remember if she just told it on my favorite murder or if it's in stay sexy and don't get murdered you know it's i don't know if it's right. in the book or um but the story of like the she this guy was taking pictures of her as like and like was very interested in her and she's a young girl and like photographer and he finally lures her out into like the hollywood hills to like do some photography and she like she was so mad at herself for having gotten to that point of like knowing something's wrong but then I think she like finally says like trust your gut and she ran away from him that like whatever evening it was and like maybe saved her own life. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I just botched that story completely, but know that Georgia has like a really good story about learning to trust your gut. And I feel like mm. that's something they, they talk about a lot. Um, and yeah. Yeah. It's, and yeah. then the, and then there's this thing you do. I love this, this sort of misogyny. Mm -hmm. of this whole right it's like um the boys will be boys and why mm -hmm. was she by herself and then this I was, know maybe don't dress like that I mean this I whole hate, thing is yeah. so spot on and so mm -hmm. and of course we still do that today you know we still I look know. at the victim and be, why was she wearing that tight skirt I mean I know she probably was she asking for it um I mean it's so of horrible course, I think I, you know I hate that old saying um you still see it on a lot of like you know like cop shows they're like well why would a woman be alone in a bar and I'm like I'm alone in a bar all the time right like I'm just like that's where I like to work yes <laughs> you know? I know that came that was hilarious too I'm like um, that's where I like to work like I'm not alone in a bar begging for you know Right. And being alone Attention. in a bar doesn't, and, yeah, doesn't mean not, you want to go home and, with someone. I know it's not an open invitation, but it's such a, that's such an old school police phrase or, you know, like, well, she was there, you know, and you're like, there's only one reason a woman's alone in a bar at night. And you're like, nah, there's so many reasons, man. Yeah, like, exactly. there's, there's so many reasons because their women are just people too. The same reason a man could be alone in a bar. Right. Um, right. But, it's, and that, yeah, I mean, there's, um, again, I feel like, not that, like, everything's been eradicated, but I feel like there is, you know, yes. some prog progress today. But when you just look at, like, the gendered language that surrounds um, um, the, you know, criminal justice system as far as, like, um, you know, the, the word panties is always, like, you know, I, I, up. I go, I'm why are we still saying panties? like you just do you say call underwear it, i was gonna say do you like, call your underwear panties because i don't know i'm like i better go get it. some underwear to pack for this trip i never say yeah. that word that like, is so bizarre it, who uses that word besides men i know they're like well it's in female panties and you're like what, they make that sounds so infantile like it sounds like i'm a little i'm a little kid and i need to put my panties on or something or I don't get it, it it sounds sex like you're like the no it sounds sexual are, and yes yet, some weird like juvenile as well I don't know it's it's that it really bothers me when me you, too um, I read about it's in I so many about... law and order episodes where they're like you know if it was a man's underwear on the ground they wouldn't be saying that but whatever you I know there's, well, there's some panties right. in the corner and you're like what is that 
There are uh, there are so many laugh out loud moments in this, which is a, a, yeah. a thing. I I mean, obviously, you're very funny, um, but I love like this is like this is the it's all about anxiety, which I I was like dead on. I love this. Uh, uh, your mother is a casually nervous. You are a casually yeah. nervous lady. So many funny yeah. things. So talk yeah. to me. So you decided. I mean, you've been. So how long have you been a cartoonist? Um, I. I yeah, the New York well, thing. I know. The, yeah, so it's funny. I mean, I started drawing cartoons. So it was fine. Yeah, um, exactly. But no, I so I actually I had a different career before I took a hard pivot. Um, I used to work in film and uh, all this other stuff. And um, in twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen, um, something like that. Yeah. I ran away to New York and like was like I'm gonna become a cartoonist. Um, which well, is a, it works. A, I know. Funny thing I mean, to I'm say, sure it know? wasn't quite that smooth, yeah. but um, yeah, you did no, it. No, I mean, was... I had a lot of other jobs too, but um, I think I submitted for a year before I sold anything, and I believe 2016 mm -hmm. um, is something like 2016 is when I finally broke through which is like only the beginning of trying you know you, you, finally know. Sell, you sell one thing you oh my god I sold one thing like, yeah. like and it's still gonna be a hard journey from there on but um yeah. I sold that and then my other my kind of other big break as far as letting me step away from like being nanny I find like just getting enough money um was I illustrated this great book called Feminist Fight Club uh, it was uh, written it's by New York Times journalist Jessica Bennett. It's a super awesome like manifesto of um, like, you know fighting sexism in the workplace and a lot of like women helping women. Um, anyway, that I when I illustrated that book, um, that like just sort of that and the New Yorker at the same time is what really sort of was the beginning of my career. And then seeing that that book was that was that when you were like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do the book thing myself because that's a yeah. very different kind of process and writing even a long format cartoon mm -hmm. is what like you know yeah I mean yeah I've done like I, I you know it, it started you start small like I, you know I started doing just what they're, they're called gags gag cartoons single panels um and then I got feminist fight club which was just like fun illustration work for me um and then after that I started to get more jobs to illustrate other people's books uh -huh. um and I did um, a book called Real Talk About Mental Health, which I really loved working on because I do do a lot of mental health work um, and or I write about a lot of mental health stuff. Um, and that, and then after that, I've, I've done a bunch of books now. I'm like, oh my God, what books have I done? That's and okay. Are You My yeah. Uber? Um, I saw anyways, that one too. Yeah. It looks yeah. like it's like the cover of Are You My Mother? From yeah, yeah. That was fun. Were... I had to like mimic somebody else's art, you know? Um, yeah. But Anyways, and then at the same time, while I was like, you know, um, starting to do like, I'm still, you know, still doing New Yorker stuff, like illustrating for other people. But then I really started to just start read more female graphic memoirs and yeah. graphic novels. And I was getting so into them. And I just really love um, the introspective work. Um, and, you know, I do love autobio. I love reading. I love reading memoirs. So I'm mm -hmm. like, I just love facts about people's lives. I'm like, I'll tell me facts all day long. It's just like, it's riveting to me. Um, so I began to read more of those and like the work of like Julia Wirtz and Roz Chast and, uh, you know, Gabrielle, um, oh God, I'm forgetting Gabrielle's last name. Anyways, um, so I was, and then I started to do more long form 
personal comics and selling them to you know a bunch of different publications and so it's like I started to do more like okay like a 10 page and then I'll do like a 20 page piece um I was doing more and more and then that would that led to me wanting to really sort of tackle a, you know and this was like obviously 350 pages yes so, yeah, I mean this is right this is huge um yeah. so what was the you know what was the process like I mean did you did you imagine it in the sections or did you just yeah what did, did I you outline so, a little bit so you kind of yeah. knew where you were going I kind of you know I'm not a big like hardcore outliner like I have like my general ideas um because when I sold the book I had drawn 70 pages um that's kind of like here's my big sample packet because especially like selling your first book I was like yeah. you want to really like let the publisher know this is how I write yeah. um and you can do it that you yeah. can do a big uh you yeah know, yeah yeah so I, I basically I had drawn the zodiac chapter at that point um when I didn't know at first I thought it was always going to be the beginning but then it, you know it started to move around but I was kind of trying to map out like I was like okay I know the three cases I want to do I want to do Zodiac, Bundy, and this Anne Rule book um that I just loved and then um and then I was the thing that I couldn't figure out how to do for a while and I kept moving around was um the the like murder class part mm -hmm. where I'm like yeah. just teaching the history of murder so I was like my editor and I were working together of like how to try to weave the historical part in with the pop culture with personal and that so that definitely took a while like I was just moving pages around a lot um right, and seeing right. like how I could get the flow in and then and then it was almost like when I got to the end of the book I realized I needed to change the beginning um mm -hmm. so yeah I, went, that I add yeah which is obviously that's like so common yes yeah well yeah. and I love the fact that like so it's so interesting because it's when you do a graphic novel you have to set us somewhere all the time so there's like mm -hmm. the whole scene at the bar where she's like, mm -hmm. just talk, you, or I guess, mm -hmm. or just talking yeah. to like the bartender and a random person at the bar. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a way of her being able, you being able to communicate just sort of your interest. It's real. Yeah. I thought that was clever. Yeah. So I, yeah, like, I had fun. So I'm deciding, I was like, okay, so first I'm going to be at a bar talking, then I'm going to be at a diner talking, and then right. I'm going to be on an airplane talking. That was hilarious and too. Yeah. I, and you know, I really did meet a little girl that I talked, like, we obviously didn't have that act that conversation but yes. I did meet this little girl on a flight and I sat next to her and I'm watching like me in like such a whatever wild emotional state I was in that day I was like I could only handle Disney films like I was like what I don't know what I was upset about but I'm like watching like like the Lion King or something and I turn over and she is watching um oh gosh what's that horror she's watching a horror film <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, she was clearly like eight. And I was like, oh man, do I want to talk to her? Like, yeah, like, right. And we did talk and she did at the end, she went, will you follow me on Instagram? And we talked all, of, oh, we, she was watching A Quiet Place. And I was like, oh, and she's like, I've seen it three times. And I was like, okay, oh my you're God. me. Like, yes. I was like, I felt like I met my former self. Uh, so I knew I wanted to use her because I had written, I had like drawn her just in my sketchbook that day. Cause I was like, she's awesome um that's so funny and, and her but, dad you know, was beside you, her in the plane yes yeah he was there and he was like Are you, I hope she's not bothering you and I was like not at all like right, <laughs> not right. in the I'm so curious yeah. I'm so curious yeah. to, right yeah. to interview her he was so sweet um and so I knew I wanted to do that because you know you're trying to especially with, with cartooning and and like 
trying to figure out how what's the device that you're going to use in order to talk to the reader um so without I mean they can also you know with obviously you can just just talk to them with no reason but I'd like to give some setup and it's it's really it was sort of just helps me figure out the drawing of it all because I do work in those like I do work in diners I do work in bars so it's just a more natural place for me to set it um but it, it so it took me three years I think basically to draw it um in total and it's like I'm starting or I'm like six months in on my new book and I'm like oh my god I have so much longer to go yeah so well, especially painful. if you're I yeah. mean you're, you're you're not doing it full-time and it seems to me yeah that it takes a lot I mean so like how long does it take you to I mean some of these are really intricate drawings you know what I, I mean? know like this yeah. guy over here yeah I know it's like you have pages that are like easy but then you have pages like where you need to draw you know and then you're doing research Mm. of like what did it look like in Vallejo Mm. California in 1956 right I'm like trying to doing a lot of random google searches which I'm now again right like I've been trying to look for a potato chip factory in a small town in Nebraska that's what I've been trying to from like 1955 like that's what I'm working on right now you're trying um, to find it that's hilarious yeah, yeah and I'm finding some random like Facebook posts where like they do have a picture of it um but um so uh, yeah I, the thing is like you can I guess if you wanted to you could write faster you know but you can't draw faster like if yeah. you're like trying to meet a deadline you're like you literally <laughs> you just can't do it like it's it, it, it can only go at the pace that it can go at um so I can do I can do probably five pages a day if I'm like really trying to kill myself. Right. Um, that's a lot. You know, yeah. And it's a lot of just because it just hurts my hand. And that's right. just drawing it. Cause then I you draw it and everything. And then so I draw by hand on paper, but then I do um the you know filling in the gray tones, the grayscale. That I do on an iPad. Um okay. just like um you know using so you brush. scan it and then yeah you scan all the work then you have to clean oh my god it just takes forever so you scan it and you bring it into photoshop and then you see a little hair here and a little piece of an eraser mark there and then you have to go clean that up <laughs> yeah and then you bring it in i use procreate so then i bring it into on my ipad for the procreate app and then i go in and do um yeah all the great it's called tones um yeah yeah and so i can see them like in this that, you know, yeah like her, the, yeah down here that's I get really exactly that one takes then that takes another century <laughs> well um it's interesting so then and then the and then I was wondering like I was thinking like what happens when you want to change if you had to change the words but like, that's mm-hmm. all done do you do that are these so are I edit writing? digitally yeah no so I um like I that that's all hand drawn you know it's all like your handwriting yeah I'm handwriting okay. everything but and no, but if when I have to make an edit, I do it digitally. I go, you know, I'm like, I don't, I'm not that much of a purist that like, every yeah, single, you have like, to redraw, especially, yeah. Especially if you realize, like, I mean, I've uh, absolutely, there's some pages where I, I just have to redraw the whole page, like, I'm screwed. Um, you know, yeah. your editor comes in and is like, well, we need to cut this and have it, you know, go over to here and bring these two things together. Um, but yeah. you know, if I need to just get rid of one panel, I'll just erase it digitally. Cause you know, you can, you can only have so much time on your hands. Right. Um, but 
it's a long process. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Well, there's, I was reading in the um, New York Times, because you talk about the, the how much time um, it takes to draw. And it was saying mm -hmm. that um, one, like they were saying something about how one of the few ways that people can still lose themselves is to draw. Did you read that mm. article? It no. was so fascinating. And um, it was, yeah, because it's like, you know, you, even if for somebody who has zero artistic talent, the, the, the process of drawing something, like you said, it can't really be sped up. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it allows people to step back because we're so used to everything is instant on our phones and on sure. our screens and uh, in sure. life, yeah. but the drawing is so, and they were saying it's really good for us. And I was wondering like, you know, do you feel that because it's your job? So that yeah. changes well, it a no, little but bit. I it is, um, it, well, you know, if you're feeling, if you're in the right mood, especially when I go in and I like doing, like if I'm painting it in or whatever, it, it can be some of the most Zen stuff where yeah. you're just sort of like, you're just getting the flow of it and you just like not thinking like you're thinking, but you're not thinking, you know, right. um, and I love I do love drawing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have it, to. It, yeah. I hope you yeah. do. Yeah, I know, right? The no, no shit, Hillary. Um, but and I love because then when I get like, you know, when I'm not in my writing phase, when I like really just I already know what I'm gonna draw and everything, I, you know, blast all sorts of ABBA and like sort of just like whatever it is you want to listen to. I really um I like loud music. Um but that's a good I want to read that article because it is true. I mean, that's a big, you know, as kids, um, I remember my art teacher is always telling me like, you can doodle in class. Like that's what makes you listen more. And you're like, it yeah. is true. Yeah. It's, I thought, I thought it was really interesting and I have zero, zero <laughs> like artistic ability that way, but I never, I can understand how that feels. And I did think about, I thought about you and also, you know, my brother, since he's, I was going to say Steve. Yeah. I mean, he does those crazy intricate drawings where I'm crazy. sure he gets so lost in them. I think he does. And I think that's kind yeah. of an amazing thing. Um, mm -hmm. So it's so funny. Okay. So the other thing I was thinking about is this sort of stand up comedic, you know, comedy, which I'm sorry, but that I've watched Steve do that. That's one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. I mean, it's what I sure. love stand up comedy, but when you know yeah. the comedian and you know they're like a pretty much a novice, I just felt like yeah. it was just to talk about anxiety. So it's, it's, it's so funny to me that. that that that's like something that you that you've chosen to do as an anxious person can you talk about that that's I know what is I know why it's, yes. you know um but I would say so many comedians are you know, they're like ah. but then suddenly on stage you feel comfortable it's weird I mean not truly all the time you know like I'm nervous but like I'm there's a weird when you have the mic like you're more in control because you have the microphone um but uh, it's got to be something to do with narcissism. My God, like, <laughs> I, like that you're like I love talking. Like even if I am like a hot mess, I love being silly, and I just and I love I love to be on stage. I haven't been on stage in a while, and I really miss it. Um, I know Steve just had a show, um, but. I oh god I don't have anything intelligent to say about this it's funny it's a funny weird thing to be drawn to yes um, it's because it's, it's like a it's just it's it is like I do like performing um you know and it's 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 really fun to be able to like because I you know cartooning super isolating 
Well, that's what I was going to say, right? It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so like being out and like comedy and meeting people and like, you know, the community of it and laughter and um, a fun audience and stuff. Um, But also terrifying. Absolutely. I mean, I I think probably the reason I haven't done comedy in a while is just because like, especially it's like going into, like you used to do it all the time. And then then 2020 happened the and pandemic me, yeah. and then obviously I think I know a lot of comedians felt like this coming out of it of like taking a year plus obviously off of it and then being like god I guess I don't need to go torture myself every night right right like that was I, I mean that's so, what it feels like yeah yeah but so I did wonder definitely because the two artists that I know now, yeah. you and my brother, are yeah. both stand-up comedians. And I was trying to, and not just art, but drawing. That's like really right. what right. both of you guys um, yeah. do yeah. Di- differently. And I was trying to figure out if there's some sort of crossover between being, I you know, know drawing and comment, stand-up com- comedy. But I do think, to your point, the isolation of your uh, of the process of uh, being mm-hmm. a cartoonist and mm-hmm. an artist and a writer for that matter right mm-hmm. that um but I don't know a lot of writers that do stand-up comedy to yeah, be honest I, I'm sure I mean not my kind of writers anyway not your kind of writers mm-hmm. in Hollywood you'd, you'd know a lot of them um, yes I think what I know for me what I really like about doing it is like it because I write you know when you're writing jokes on paper it's so different than figuring out how a joke's gonna work on stage yeah um, with delivery and so I know that when I you know when I was doing more comedy I felt like I was really getting closer into what my voice is because it's like I'm doing this stuff that's like the what I'm learning on stage is informing how you know my cartoons at the New Yorker and my cartoons at the New Yorker I'm figuring out like okay well that set up how would I do that on stage like it's the same thing but how do I um how would I approach it on a verbal, you know, in a different right. delivery? Um, so I like, it It keeps my brain fresh, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Coming up with new stuff. Yeah, and I was, we. I, I want to go back to anxiety for a minute because I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if we think, you know, it's like, so as an anxious human, as anxious humans, mm-hmm. um, do, I think your mom and I would get along really well too, by the way. I'm I would sure like, that you would. I would like to be <laughs> I also come hang like, out I come know, to Sonoma okay uh, I mean it's I, a great place to visit <laughs> exactly I'm out there sometimes I'd love that so yeah. I wonder do you think um and that was what was sort of the chicken and the egg question right mm-hmm. does the does mm-hmm. the anxiety feed the interesting true crime or does the true crime feed the anxiety I or know. is it like that, a loop I think it is a loop it's totally a loop um obviously it has to start somewhere but um it's it is a loop I mean, it does take a person to be drawn to true crime, though, you know, like, because not everybody who's anxious wants to, like, and then whenever I meet women that are like, I don't really do that, I go, what? Like, (laughs) (laughs) my boyfriend's mother does not partake in the true crime world, and I'm still Hmm. baffled by it. I'm always like, what, so you, so you just didn't, you didn't watch that? (laughs) You weren't right. like, I have to watch that immediately or I need to read that book. And she's like, no. And I'm like, oh my God, what? Um, and um, I think that's why I was hoping for the book also to be like an explanation to people who don't get it. Like mm-hmm. um, the book can also be read by somebody who's like, why are people so into this? And then this book will be like, this is why, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it is, I think that, you know, it also requires a very 
dark sensibility um, to want to consume um, this kind of stuff. But but also, I mean, the other part of the book is like talking about how like your brain enjoys a puzzle. You know, it's right. like there's so much about it um, in reading. I mean, in reading mystery too, obviously, and thrillers and stuff is like that. It's like an exercise for your brain of how like what what are these clues? How can like I want to figure it out? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that old couple that figured out the zodiac, um, the first one of the first zodiac code key things. Right, they were just that old couple that just like took it as like a puzzle to undo, and they did it. Yeah, it's interesting. So this this now that we have that that everything is you know televised and reported, there is this sense of people getting involved in helping solve crimes. Absolutely, which I I mean, like I'm I'm definitely a member of Web Sleuths. (laughs) um like that there's so many online communities that I mean what was the case last summer of the the people on TikTok of that poor young girl who got murdered by her boyfriend in the woods oh right really the people on TikTok figured it out before the police did right and so there's this wild sort of new world I sound like I'm like 80 there's this new world on the internet but um but there is like kind of like the, I mean, especially on Reddit, there's huge Reddit threads of people, you know, helping solve crimes. Um, and then, there, I mean, there's web sleuths, there's all these different like pages of like, that actually, it can be, you know, incredibly helpful, you know, like, yeah. that, like, this is like a very positive thing. Um, like, and there's that documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats. Um, so that was like the, um, that, like that, it was a group of internet people that solved that guy, serial killer. Um, and just by people sort of being a little obsessive and then being yeah. like, okay, here's this puzzle. Let me, let me break down this puzzle. And actually right. like, not that law enforcement knows probably how to like utilize that. It's not like they well, can that- like be like, Hey, TikTokers. And they like just completely, you know, outside of the legal system. I don't know. That's obviously a big issue for them too. You know, right. like that, like right. that other people are like in like impeding on investigations um so that's that's a whole complicated thing um but it 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 does open this avenue of it's I mean I think the best part of it actually though is with cold cases where like so many old cases can now get solved right because someone out there can take an interest in it right and And the DNA like the the 23 and me and the DNA that now it's like if you were if you're the second cousin of a serial killer and you put yeah. your dna in there then their dna yeah. shows up i mean i yeah. do actually i do think you know it one of the things that the book points out rightly is that so many of these ser- serial killers were like so close to being nabbed when they sort of you know is, i mean escape just escaped or just yeah. right and so sort of it, can just, i mean that's something you virtually almost can't do anymore i mean certainly right. people can you know try to hide but the the way the world is now is obviously everything's trackable everything's traceable every tiny little thing that you do is monitored which is creepy obviously yeah um, unless you're a serial killer and then we want to be monitored yeah right? i know i know i know um but you know it's it it changes it obviously really changes the game for police and and i guess yeah. for cr- so it's interesting because there was this heyday of serial killers right I mean right you know working in the you know late 70s 80s and I wonder if that's part of the reason that they're you know that they 
there aren't as many. It's not that they're not as many, but they get caught before they really get. I think, you know, I mean, like, I obviously don't know, like, the statistics on that, but it would seem to me that, um, you know, I know there are active serial killers still amongst us, but, um, but I think that there just isn't kind of the chance to be someone as psychotic um, as a Bundy or yeah, and get us right, you know, just, I mean, just phones in general, just phones, just like all these things um that it not hiding his identity just driving around yeah. in the same car i know i know so, yeah it just wouldn't happen um and you know i mean people don't hitchhike really anymore you know there's so much that was going on in the 70s and 80s that um you know so many more people were at risk um yeah. and i you know i kind of made that joke in the book of like one of bundy's victim victims was missing for 17 days before her, right. even her ro- roommates even said anything I was like, my mother, you know, and so yes. many others. Like, <laughs> if I was, if I don't respond in two hours, I'm in right. trouble. Right. You know, like, right. where are you? One time, one time, I was in a movie theater and I came out and I had like 20 missed calls. And then I had texts from all my siblings and I had an email from my father saying, Your mother's worried. Where are you? And then, and then an texts from my sister. Yeah. And then, like, a follow up email, phone call, text messages, voicemails. And then my sister being like, mom called me and she needs to know where you are. And I'm like, I was at the movies. Like, <laughs> I, Hillary, I'm I'd like so to tell you, sorry. I'm not one of those mothers, but I totally am. I'm like, <laughs> I want to be able to track my children yeah, yeah, in and yeah. out of movies. And <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so but they're going to cut me off, but I'm until yeah. then, I'm, I can just see where That's they are. fine. You know what? I wouldn't even get mad. It made me laugh. I went, you guys, yeah. I mean, thank you. You know, like, right. Thank you right. for caring. That, <laughs> they love you. You would not be yeah. able to go oh, beyond for 17 days before <laughs> no. somebody had tracked no. you down. Not a I chance. Know. I love it. Well, it's, I mean, there's so many wonderful things and I, I do love how much of your, you know, your personality and, um, your own sort of, you know, feminist insights. It's Mm -hmm. really, it's so fun. Uh, I think it's a book everyone would love it. I am, it's like kind of, I mean, I've read like the Sandman, right. Yeah. But I haven't read, I don't know whether it's just my generation didn't read that much. I don't, think there used to be so many obviously graphic novels or memoirs you know it's um there's so much of it now and it's some of my I think some of the most amazing um especially I think women in the graphic novel um, Mm -hmm. world are like it seems for me I feel like women just are really excelling in it and um it's such an intuitive way to tell a story I just love it and yeah yeah, I could recommend a million books to you well, you did it. You've recommended a few, which is so fun. But yeah. we'll start with the one that you. Um, we'll start with this one, the murder yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, mine. Start yeah. With, <laughs> and um, and you know, I love that your middle name is Fitzgerald because I guess you're yeah. a little related to F. Scott. I'm just a little related. Yeah, his little sister is my great grandmother. I would um, be so curious. What do you think he would think of um, the murder book? I know. Book? God, would he, he would have totally blurbed it, I'm sure. <laughs> He'd be like... <laughs> I should have I put a fake blurb. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. You could do said, that. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about what's next. I, um, right. Snacking so book. I know. So I just, you know, I, I think um, coming out of that book, I was like, oh my God, I want to do something completely different. Um, and I had drawn kind of like a 20-ish page comic that was on a publication called Electric Literature 
that was called I'm not a foodie but I'm not a bad person um <laughs> and I knew, like when I had drawn it I was like oh I already can feel like I could do this as a whole book like I'd drawn this kind of like almost like a summary of it you know yeah, yeah. um about like growing up um as a really hardcore picky eater because I, I was just legitimately afraid of food for the first many many years of my life um and 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 there's is, everything is such foodie culture now that I was like it I want to I want to make a book that's like eat cheeses you know like, like and, I noticed um, they were yeah, they had yeah. cheesies on the plane that was so I funny. know I've, I li- I just bought cheeses right before I was at the grocery store buying cheeses but I was like, I want to make a cookbook that's like not really a cookbook, you know, that's just like, it's okay if you want to have a hot dog, you know, like, um, and, but then, you know, but it's, you know, it's also, you know, it's, it's drawn, it's not, it's not written. Um, And, um, but really wanting to explore um, kind of in a similar way of murder book, like through my own personal relationship and battles with food, especially as a woman, you know throughout you know your teens your 20s um right. and like how your relationship with food affects your relationship with your family and then how food can like between you and your a romantic partner and how like the um the different ways in which like one's relationship to food and how you know the different ways it connects you to all types of relationships um and so um it's been really fun and and also it's because i yeah i it's because i have been you know in love with dating a man who's a, a big foodie and cook and it was a real difficult part when we met I was like I like you but like I don't want your food and it, it's <laughs> like and then for him it was devastating he's like what like and I'm like I know I'm weird like I like snacks like, like <laughs> um so I don't like sort meals of, I like snacks it, yeah like I just eat like you know, like 30 snacks throughout the day. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But so wanting to just write about the the journey of truly really just learning to love yourself, of course. Um, <laughs> but I've been having so much fun just drawing about like me as a six-year-old, um, you know, only eating egos and like getting in fights with my you know, parents about it. Like, I'm not going to eat what you want me to eat. And, but now, cause yeah. I, it's, I'm, I'm seeing my, my uh, niece go through the same thing. Like my sister, Courtney, um, her daughter, Lily, I mean, she's eight now, but when she, I mean, she still has a lot of, she's super anxious when people tell her to eat something. And like mm-hmm. Courtney has always been like, I just need my daughter to eat. Like, I'm so worried about it. Like, how do I get her to eat? And I was like, I identify, like, I feel like she's my mm-hmm. daughter. And yeah. I told her, I was like, this is what you need to do. Like, you can't pressure her. Right. You cannot make it a big deal. And like, we, like, we have like together figured out ways in order to like approach her about food that doesn't make her upset. And yeah. it's, um, I think that obviously a lot of parents wonder about it. And then I was like, oh my God, I can write about this. of like, this is what you should do. Like give them a, <laughs> so now she gives this little eight-year-old, I'm like, you make her a charcuterie plate, basically, you know, yeah. like give her a little bits of cheese and some crackers. And then you don't, tell her what to do and then right. like food is okay and it's not oh mm-hmm. anyways she's obviously just as anxious as I am god bless her <laughs> well I think and I it's true I think there is something to that because also we're I mean particularly as young women we're told yeah. not to eat don't yeah. eat but eat yeah but, but you yeah. know 
but don't eat. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a really kind of a screwed up. We don't eat just for sustenance, which is why we, what we sh what right. we should be doing. It becomes right. a very emotional, mm -hmm. and then it's a celebration, mm -hmm. and it's a ritual, mm -hmm. and it's got a. I'm actually kind of. I think I'm. I'm like you as well. I'm not, my husband's also a really good cook and I'm mm -hmm. also not really interested in food, but I am like, yeah. is dinner ready? Cause I'm hungry, but I don't really right, care what right. it is. Exactly. I just want it to show up at like six o'clock every night. <laughs> is that rude? I know. I know. <laughs> oh my God. At the height of the pandemic, Frank and I like, you know, it was such a big deal when you had to go to the grocery store, you know, yes. I mean, we were stuck in New York too. Like I couldn't, oh, I couldn't get out of here. And it was so bad. And we'd have to do like every two weeks, we'd go to Whole Foods and like buy, you know, an unreal amount of food. And we'd have the gloves on and the masks. Yeah. And I remember I'm in there with him and he is in the corner trying to decide between like which chicken to buy. Yeah. And he looks at me, he's like, which one do you want? And I snap, I was like, I don't fucking care. Like, <laughs> Just buy chicken. chicken. It's chicken. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, well, I, you know, I care. And I was like, yeah, well, don't ask me then. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> ask me if I, you know, because I don't care because we all know, like, you know, oh, my God. That it I, is again, funny. I, I, I am a foodie. A, yeah. I'm not a foodie. And I, I yeah. sometimes get super confused about the sort of like people are like, oh, that restaurant. Yeah. And, I'm like, and you're like, I don't know. I go, well, it's good. To me, I go, those are good or it's not good. You know? Like, right, right, <laughs> right. Oh, that was a lovely taste of that, but. Now I just yeah. want to have a quesadilla, please. So. Oh my God, <laughs> I live for a quesadilla. I know, like if you if you left my own devices, I'm like, I would I would truly only eat bread and cheese. Like I'd be like, I grilled so, cheese, yeah. quesadilla. Like, crackers and cheese, cheese with a side of wine. Crackers and exactly, uh -huh. that's my I mean, favorite meal. Um, it's kind of, I mean, it covers most of the bases. If you throw in a couple really, carrots and some yeah. grapes, don't we yeah. get the whole food group? <laughs> I'm like, um, isn't that everything? What else do we need? Totally yeah, true. so anyways, it's going to be a long time till I finish it. Um, I can't wait. I'm, I And I also really wanted to do, after doing such an intense book about my mother, I wanted to do something uh, more related to my father. And so he's like, you know, the ultimate snacker and he makes all, you know, he's a very different relationship to food that I have. So it's, um, it's, it's been fun. It's been fun drawing something totally different. I, I love how much you like your parents. I think that's uncool. <laughs> I know it's so lame of me. I love um, it. I'm like, I'm going to send them. your book to um, my children and be like, see, Good. see how much Hillary loves it. Actually, I think, <laughs> you and, I think you and my daughter have a ton in common too. It's so funny. But that makes hang. sense. Yeah, yeah. She's super cool. Well, yeah. we'll get you guys together sometime in New York, but um, yeah. so fun. So, um, okay, Hillary, so tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram. Do you have a website? maybe yeah yeah so i'm you know in, on instagram i'm cartoons by hillary um and kind of just cartoons by hillary everywhere that's just one l I, yeah one l that's the big news um you know <laughs> it was always like, one l i felt like until hillary i know clinton, but then hillary then clinton confused. came in with two and i'm like what's with, that, what's with that extra l what are we she's doing extra there? she gets yeah. extra. she's extra <laughs> yeah poor lady um, and you can um I've really pivoted over to Substack these days. I have like a paid newsletter if you want to read. I post a Fine. lot of comics. So you can find me, Cartoons by Hillary on Substack. Um, and, you know, I'm out there, you know, 
probably just being way too open about my life on the internet. <laughs> it's so great. I do love it. I did think, oh my God, what, how does Hillary's yeah. mom feel about how much she shared? Oh my God, life? she loves it. She loves it. She's it's so, so proud. cute. She's so oh, proud. she, of course she's yeah. proud. I'm proud. And yeah. I, you know, I just met you in a bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alone in a bar. With so your beautiful. dog. With, with my doggie. With, yeah, I love that. I love that we were at a conference together and Hillary came from New York to Minneapolis with her dog. I know. Well, she had a good time too, you know. Margie she was like living it up in the Hilton. There's no question that she was the most popular girl I know, in the bar. I know. 100%. I know. Every day. 100%. Where's Margie? I know. She's taking a nap, you guys. She's like, she can't do it all. That's right. She's kind of an introvert. She needs to yeah. recharge. Like, like me. I was hiding yeah. too. Yeah. Um, well, Hillary, it was so fun. Um, do you know what the new book is called? Snacking? Is that what it's the called? Joy, the joy of snacking. The joy of snacking. I love it. And murder book. So you Yay. guys check these out. And then, yeah, look for Hillary. If you follow her on Instagram, which is where I follow you, mm-hmm. Cartoons by Hillary, um, you get to see all sorts of fun Silly, samples and then stuff. sounds like we yeah. we need to subscribe substack to get our our hillary get there fix. yeah if you're really you know jonesing <laughs> which we Thank will you be so much yeah thanks for joining us this has been killer women with hillary fitzgerald campbell and we will see you next time bye